0: And welcome to another thrill-packed, fun-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have...
1: Oh, a man with a surprised look because he hasn't thought of anything because he's very, very, very tired.
0: Yes, that is... uh, Uh, Go on. Uh, Rip rip, rip Van Carmichael?
1: uh, Peter Purvis... Um, Paul Purvis, I don't know. We'll we'll go with
0: that. Paul Purvis, a.k.a. Rip Van Carmichael, is very sleepy this week. Very sleepy. In fact, we are both very sleepy because, dear listeners, dear viewers, we've had to return to the hideous world of work, which, no matter how much you enjoy it, is still a culture shock after, uh, well, effectively sitting around farting in your Rupert trousers for a couple of weeks. Am I right?
1: That's essentially what I've been doing, but I've enjoyed it immensely.
0: Enjoyed it immensely. Um, yes. So, um, yeah, we're both very sleepy, so do forgive us, um, dear listeners, if uh, if we aren't a scintillating company this week. We, um, we will try, however. We will try. Uh, I'll start you off on a nice thing, then, to try and get the ball oh, rolling, on. which is, do you remember we were speaking about the wind in the willows the other week? Oh, yeah. So I found my copy. There we go. It, it's probably one that's quite familiar to people of my age group. Uh, mm. This was bought via the Puffin Book Club at school, where you collected stickers every week. Um, an interesting fact I found out about Kenneth Graham. Yeah. Apart from the tragedy of his own life, he, he sort of he married quite late, and he had a son who walked in stepped in front of a train. Uh, and killed God. himself when he was very young, because uh, the stories are based upon what he read to his son. Um, but anyway, instead of spending time at the marital home, uh, Mr. Graham yeah. spent most of his time in London with a, a set designer called Walford Graham Robertson, who um, was a young chap. Um, oh, so, yes. So, so um, yeah, it's it's quite interesting how, in those days... Um, Obviously, it was illegal to be gay. If he was gay, I mean, there's there's an academic, I think, from the University of Cardiff who wrote a mm. kind of thesis on this to suggest that The Wind in the Willows is a gay book. I wouldn't go that far, you know? I really no. wouldn't go that far, but I think the, the anecdotal evidence... Exists to say that he liked spending his time with Walford Graham Robertson more than the wife.
1: Uh, Right, I see. I I had
0: no idea about that.
1: Now it's interesting because, of course, after we talked about it the other week, I I had to look. Oh, God. You know know when you have something that's a nice thing, but you've no idea where the hell it is? I had one of those. (laughs) Like that,
0: The Wind in the Willows book. Yeah. Uh,
1: Yes. Well, I had that with the. um, Because I knew for a fact that I had the box set of the Cosgrove Hall animations that I bought quite some time ago now. Um, Trying to find that wherever I could and suddenly there it is. And it's something like a 15-disc set. And God, it's lovely.
0: I think I appreciate it more now
1: at the age of 40. It doesn't matter. Doesn't Um, it
0: go on too long? Or did I just outgrow it?
1: Well, I think you may have outgrown it because right. um, you've got about we're, we're going into but you know pretty much into the 90s, I think, aren't we with, with I this definitely
0: series. outgrown it. I was all sort of Joe Blog's 30 inch bottom bag jeans and and right. and record shops and gigs and stuff like yes. that by then. so
1: yeah now I it makes me sad the, to think it, of,
0: does it. it makes me sad to think of toad and and ratty and mole all going, but where is he gone? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no you know what it's still i it, it's still I, I think I appreciate it more now than I did mm. then um, if for nothing else than I appreciate it for the characterization absolutely love you've got those wonderful lead actors but then this very strange thing that happens which is in the in the film uh, of the book that they made which was essentially the pilot You've got um, your usual actors, you've got Michael Horden, you've got David Jason, and so on and so on and so on. And then you've got Ian Carmichael as Rat. Then when we come to the series, you've got Peter Sallis as Ratty, but Ian Carmichael takes over narrator duties at the top of each episode. And I'm just wondering if maybe, because obviously Ian Carmichael, right up to the end of his life, was an incredibly busy actor. I'm wondering if maybe that has something to do with it. Um, So we end up with him just being brought in. Can you just record 26 lines and that's the whole series? It's a
0: weird trajectory that you talk about there because Ian Carmichael was, well, we we obviously weren't alive, but he must have been quite a big movie star, Mm. you know, because you look back, don't you? You've got Lucky Jim, you've got Mm. Private's Progress and stuff like that, and also his work has this ring of quality to it because of the amount of stuff that's done with you know I mean I think Lucky Jim is Kingsley Amis isn't it yes, and then it's yeah. all Bolting Brothers stuff and and uh, and so there's this that seam of that really nice purple patch even though it's monochrome of Bolting Brothers films uh featuring him and then you know, when you see these films, it's like, what do you mean from a, from a, <laughs> a screenplay by Kings the Ames? What, what world is this? <laughs> you, you, you know, I mean, can you imagine this now? Oh, God, no. The way in which the culture worked then, I mean, you know, yeah. the amount of conversations we've had before about politics being downstream of culture, but culture is downstream of art absolutely no it it absolutely is i
1: i think that what's lovely here is of course you do get this lovely crossover with an actor like ian carmichael you can see him in your Bolting brothers films but on the other hand there he is in your doctor at sea sort of films but then he ends his career in um the royal the itv series um Mm. so you've got this huge body of work and what i love about it is it covers everything so you've got Uh, You've got film, you've got television, you've got animation voiceover, you've got absolutely everything. Which I think was probably the standard then, because you're talking about a jobbing actor who at the end of the day would just take the work on. Um, I think maybe that's something that we are missing a little. Oh, 100% Uh,
0: we are. And, and, And is it a potential conversation that was had between the pilot and the series whereby it's like, look, Ian, darling, not working out with the characterisation, however... We can give you this. I mean, there's two schools of thought on that, and obviously all the protagonists you're talking about are gone. I'm sure it's mm. I'm sure it's easy to get to the bottom of that, but seeing as we both have day jobs, we won't have the time. If anyone would like to take up the trail. That and would be wonderful. That would be lovely. This is the sort of thing that we
1: need to know. Um, my my thought on that is simply that you've got such a busy actor there. So no problem to book him for a voiceover session to do the main film
0: do you mean but... theater wise in that because i, I he, he wasn't doing much i mean the, the, with ian carmichael i see the similar tra- trajectory to the one that norman wisdom had right mm. completely fucking don't get me wrong i am not in any way suggesting the similar but okay. it's <laughs> and and actually i suppose it's the it's the elvis model isn't it you go from film to tv to live Do you get what I mean? That seems to be the career trajectory of all these people. Obviously, they start off doing live performance, but they hit their peak, they end up doing films, and then by the end of the late 60s, it's strange to think that Elvis and Ian Carmichael and Norman Wisdom have a sort of linear trajectory where by the end of the 60s, they are picking up scraps. I think that Norman Wisdom's last feature is What's Good for the Goose in 1969 or something like that. Yes, it is, yeah. And then they start doing TV stuff. So the one that I recall with Carmichael is the Galton and Simpson playhouse. Doesn't he do that? Or or, or he's in the magnificent Seven Deadly Sins doing it, isn't he? Yes, that's it. Yes, that's it. Yeah, But isn't that a Galton and Simpson playhouse? That
1: that is, yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I don't know. I just get the feeling that what we used to get was we used to get actors who would take the job. um, And there wasn't so much... um, Mm. I I think people have mortgages to pay. And at the end of the day, a jobbing actor will probably happily, would probably happily have done uh, the theatre, the TV, the film, the animation, and basically wanted that full diary. I I can't imagine anything worse for someone then. You couldn't exactly diversify uh, Mm. as you can now, I don't think. So to have actually had an actor... Uh, back in the day, I imagine they would have just taken the work on for the fear of not working. You're only as good as your last performance, but worse than that is being forgotten at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, yeah. I Mm. I mean, and also I suppose that you had a lot of, um, what am I trying to say, different pressures upon these actors because they weren't sort of, you know, now you've got either the children of famous people or you've got very rich people who uh, are coming from nice families who are acting, and they can just pick and choose, you know. And it's it's if you are, you know, that sort of working stroke lower middle class jobbing actor who's been brought up mm. in that work ethic of the postwar boom, and and you do want to work. Mm. Now, this is the thing. I think it's I think it's the work
1: ethic to an extent that that has altered, because of course performance is bloody hard work that's a key thing you know it is hard work yeah. it's graft it's such graft it's to... not
0: only hard work it's it's the bonfire of the vanities that you must go through in order mm-hmm. to reach that peak whereby you can be just i always liken it to a kitchen fitter Actually, this is Rupert Stanchel's analogy, so I'm I'm just lying. I don't like it. So i have just stolen <laughs> Rupert's analogy, and he, and like sure he says, Rupert won't
1: mind. Sorry, Rupert. No, I'm sure you don't mind. Um,
0: when when the when the when you first start on that job, you know you're unsure. It's difficult. Is this that and the other? And so you've got to build up that confidence. Yeah. Um, and and so as a kitchen fitter does, it's bl- because the kitchen fitter kind of analogy works because they're the glory boys. They're the bits people see. Mm. And actors are the bits people see. Mm. And so you've got to get it right.
1: Yeah, that's Um, it. And that is fucking terrifying
0: when you start. It's so scary. And that's, you know, if you go to
1: see a show, it doesn't go wrong. It's so rare that the actors will balls up or forget their lines. And of course, they'll they'll cover it. It does go wrong,
0: isn't it? But it's that communion thing then. It's like, oh, right, it's fucked up. So there's two aspects to it. They don't Mm. notice the fuck-up for a kickoff, And then if Mm. it is such a colossal fuck-up, it serves that purpose whereby it's almost like losing your virginity because Mm. you and 500 people, 500 people have seen you completely cock up, right? Yeah. But all of us, so they're very forgiving, aren't they? You know that old Arthur Askey thing about how he used to stand on stage with his hands on his hips? because of the whole psychology of it, and then put his arms up, because yeah. the the, uh, the respect from a group of human beings for one singular human being showing that they are vulnerable, i.e., mm. you can attack me and, and kill me now. I'm here. Yeah, And he used to stand there, didn't he, with his hands on his hips? He, he'd stand yeah. there sometimes for two minutes. There's a great quote from Arthur Askey um, that I can't find uh, in, in my mind at the minute. I'm not Googling it. I refuse to. Good. But but when we do that big fuck up, I, I think that I hate to hark back to this, but you know, with the work we've done together, it's those big fuck ups that then the show transcends what it was. It loses the stale uh, stiffness of rehearsal, and it starts mm-hmm. to live and breathe because it's got the um, it, it it's got that interaction. It's 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 you've lost your virginity with a living, breathing lump of, a gestalt of 500 people, and we're all together now. If,
1: well, yes, and and it is, it's that communion, like you're saying, it's that, what well, is that lovely Brechtian thing, isn't it, where basically when those moments happen, all of a sudden, everybody in that room, you, the audience, everybody, is acutely aware that they are watching a play, you are doing a play, let's ignore it, we're basically taking the piss out of each other yeah. at that point. Yeah, There's yeah, that yeah. lovely thing with, um, Lawrence olivier um and i can't remember which shakespeare it was i want to say king Lear. i could be totally wrong here um but olivier sorry i coughed over you
0: saying that could you just say that again for the bison i can't say
1: that again yeah um so there's this wonderful um yeah so olivier is on stage and he's playing one of the shakespeare greats and i can't remember which one i want to say lear which is a which I've had a, a go at about four years ago. It's a nightmare. Oh, aye, I bet. It is a nightmare, especially when you've got to be aged up for the damn, less and less, of course, with each year. But um, Olivier's on stage performing, and the lines just go. Right, and I'll tell you right now, it will have been an act two, scene one, because it's a pissing nightmare, that thing. So the lines just go. And he's there on stage and he's trying to get it back and it won't come back. So he just walks down to the front of the stage and he says, ladies and gentlemen, I do apologise, but it is a terribly difficult show. And then goes back, waits for someone to give him his cue, and off he goes again. I love that. But I love the fact that you've got someone there who could do that, who had the confidence and the audience said, you know, the audience go, wait, it's Larry. He can do it if he wants. That's fine.
0: Yeah. And he... He makes a virtue. I'm not saying these two things are connected, but when you when you watch his Henry V. Mm. He makes a virtue, doesn't he? Because you have got that lovely opening spiel from Shakespeare in that anyway that says, you know, now let us take uh, you on a journey from let us transcend. I, I don't. You'll know the words better than me. Well, yeah, but but you've also, of course, that ah, oh, you've got that beautiful shot
1: that uh, the over the over the uh, the rooftops of Elizabethan England goes yes. the camera going into the Globe Theatre where the actors are found. That is a beautiful shot.
0: It's a beautiful film. Mm. It's pure absolute- propaganda. But yeah, but yeah, I know it is. I know it is. But I'm, I'm guessing that he didn't change or, or alter a single word of the text. Nothing, no, nothing was changed. I mean, obviously the choice of that play. Cry
1: God for Harry England and Saint George. Pure propaganda there. But what what I also love is, of course, um, in the middle when we're when we're in World War Two. Nevertheless, they go. Well, you've got to make it on colour and colour film. Oh, that that colour, color of it,
0: that colour is
1: beautiful. Beautiful, and and I've seen it recently, and clearly what had happened was someone had got it into the edit suite and gone. Well, we better do some grading on this. Oh no! Oh no. No, no! no, no, no! Leave no. that alone. The colours are beautiful. Uh, my, fir- I've got, I've got the original DVD uh, from when it was first released. With nothing done to it. They haven't tried to alter it. They haven't tried to make it beautiful or let's pull the purples out or something. <laughs> You've got it. You've got, if you'll pardon the trick. <laughs> don't pull the purples no, out on us. Don't pull the purples out, Larry. Uh, <laughs> 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 anyway, um, but, but to see it,
0: to see it as
1: it was intended, so, so much. So much better. It's
0: beautiful, and if you recall, late eighties, we had that series called "The Best of British" on BBC One okay. that used to use all of that, didn't it? I think it used mm. Nimrod, no doubt, as the as the um, the opening titles, mm. um, uh, the theme music. But you talk about versatility. I mean, you know, Olivier. I mean, look at you. You go from Henry V to uh, the Entertainer, mm. um, and and the difference there. And he, he again, this is about staying relevant. And, and to uh, curate a career that can take place over many different decades, over many different cultural shifts in the way that Olivier did, and I, I'm sorry, but I will have no one naysay that man. I mean, and then you get to sleuth even. But to just, to, to, to just go back to um, the entertainer for a minute, the John Osborne piece. Um, I, I, I mean, fucking hell. It's just... Isn't doesn't Tom Baker didn't Tom Baker work with him in the late for Doctor Who reference number one? Oh, um, yeah. at,
1: the at the National, at the, at the National. national.
0: Like so had he yeah. met? Is it Joan Plowright who he, his his wife was? That's right. Yeah. Um. I'm. He so was Baker invited... puts it. Doesn't he? Baker puts it in the autobiography. He's like, so when Larry met Joan Plowright and his dick came back to life. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so when his dick came back to life, mm. he did. The entertainer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the and... distinction that has with having Alan Bates and Albert <sighs> Finney, I mean, just shoe on in it, and uh, um, Roger Livesey, no uh, relation, sadly. Um, it's just one. It is just one. You see these eyes? I'm yes. Dead behind these eyes. I, I mean, fucking hell. Archie Rice. What? A, I mean, that seaside thing in 1960 we weren't brought up steeped in that were we but to Mm. subvert i mean to a to a a lesser extent because that was territory that had already been staked out by osborne hancock tried to do it with the punch and judy man didn't it Mm, but the entertainer you know and, and also when you go into the whole woodfall films oeuvre carol rice's company um, the Polish... Was he a Polish Polish prisoner of war here, Carol That's Rice. right, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what Carol Rice did to transform British cinema? Um, but, but the entertainer, his performance in that, hmm. and Thora Heard's in it. What, what more could you want? <laughs> wonderful, wonderful <laughs> Thora Heard.
1: And it, it's lovely, isn't it? Because he's there when all of these big shifts, the uh, ch- all these big shifts happen in performance. Um you know, occasionally performance just needs to go kick up the arse in some way. He writes uh, it. Yeah, he's there. He's, he's the person who is basically leading, of course, with The National. He's leading that charge to a certain extent. But he's absolutely always on the crest of it. And and altering his performance style, altering everything that he's doing. So when you think of Olivier, you, you assume that you're going to get this rather dull, rather old theatrical type But he's also a person who we, as we've discussed previously, was a chap who very famously once said, all journalists are fuck pigs.
0: (laughs) I I love that. I love that (laughs) he
1: came up with that.
0: Wonderful man. Wonderful. He was. And and, um, it's strange, isn't it, to sort of be living through times whereby we're seeing uh, these huge icons that are being submerged in a, a, a rising tide of sewage. Uh, to be quite honest, it's strange. We, we, you know, we not only live in godless times, but also soulless times whereby. Well, we do. I mean, the other day we ended up with, I think it was uh, an announcement
1: of who was coming on Strictly Calm Dancing. And um, one of them was referred to as a TikTok sensation. No. I don't know what that means. I don't want to know does. what that means.
0: Nobody does. Nobody um, does. Well, they do, don't they? I'm sure some people do. But, I mean. It's just shit. No, they shit. don't. No, it they makes don't. Me Mike. Think, no, All they right. Don't. Well, fairly nice. They enough, don't want to know. People younger no, than us do. To know. No, they don't.
1: But if you give them shit, they will accept it. If you give them quality, they'll accept it. And at the moment we are just, we're shoveling shit at
0: people. I return to my mate again, Alistair, he of the fezzy etiquette tales, whereby you wee yeah. in cups at Glastonbury, and he Absolutely. read a, a thesis years ago, and he gave me the salient points over a pint of butcombe gold at the Per Tree Shepton Mallet or Pilton, wherever it is. I don't know wherever Glastonbury really is. And he told me he'd written, he'd read this. Uh, essay, thesis, whatever it was, and it referred to what was called taste republics, right? Mm. And they were things that the industry foists on the world and tells you that are popular, like you're telling on uh, about the TikTok mm. thing, but aren't actually popular. But the bit that sticks with me about that is his line. He sort of he, he confirmed it to me by saying, "Of course, nobody really likes Bjark, man. They're just told to." <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what?
1: Oh, God, right. I bought, in the midst of the first lockdown, when I went a bit crazy with the with the vinyl collection. Yeah. I was what, like, what vinyl? What vinyl? Um, and so I bought uh, Debut by Bjork. And, oh, Because wow. I remember having this on CD, and I remember listening to it. What you I remember being fa- told
0: that you liked Bjork?
1: Well, what I failed to remember is I didn't enjoy it. Um, That's the Taste so, Republic thing. There we go. He's been vindicated. He has been totally vindicated. The one thing that I loved on that, I genuinely loved, was uh, there was a track. The last track on the album uh, is called Play Dead. And it was from a film called The Young Americans, which starred Harvey Keitel, mm-hmm. but it was filmed in London. And I love it because there's quite a few scenes which are basically two-handers between Harvey Keitel and Jeff McGiven. The original Ford Prefects, and that's just lovely. That sort of little seeing those two perform together, and so that's you know that was my favourite song on the whole lot, and it's not on the bloody vinyl.
0: Oh, dreadful! So Get it awful, on eBay before people before people uh, abolish the Taste Republic is my advice to you.
1: Yes, there's an awful lot of shrieking on there though, and Venus
0: <sighs> as a boy, you know. <gasps> pardon me, not interested. Of so course. Um, Nobody actually likes Bjork, you know, man. No, They're just told to. I I never liked any of that stuff, that sugar cube shit and all that other crap. Again, it was just stuff that I was told to like, and it's just like, well, no, I don't like this just because you say it's abstract and interesting. It isn't. The sugar cubes is just her shouting and some Mm. other fella shouting.
1: Well, I remember seeing them on The Word, so I must have been about 15 or so when the the sugar key was on there. Maybe it was late 80s. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe. Something like that. Um, and I, I saw them performing and I was I was just drawn into it because it was unusual and it was peculiar. I think they sung a song called something like It Wasn't Supposed to Happen. Hmm. And I remember thinking, it's got everything I should like. It's got a strong female vocalist. It's got a hell of a good bassline." and I should love it but at the end of the day it just left me feeling a bit sort of, stop shouting at me
0: mm, yes absolutely I mean for me I'd rather have the cocktails doing stuff like that that mm. is awkward and is interested and you know what is it pearly pearly dewdrops and stuff like mm. that they're just yes. wonderful pieces of music mm. um yeah not for me I'm afraid it, I, I would say that that, the, that Bjork is not a nice thing for me. But mm. um, I would say that Olivier is definitely a very nice thing. Olivier is absolutely a nice thing. I've got a nice yes. thing here for you that you might oh, enjoy. Boy. I found this the other day. Um, so when I was in, through the mists of time, have you join us on a journey through the mists of time, boys and girls? Um, there was a time when I was a uh, IT tutor many years ago. Um, oh, yeah. And one, I used to teach adults, right? They, they were all like sort of well, like pensioners, I suppose, really, you know. Hmm. And so I used to drive to Swinton and, and teach at this place. And they were great. They were a great bunch of people. Um, And so they were meant to be doing this thing called the European Computer Driving License, ECDL it was called. And right. so it was just like, right, okay, so Olive and all this. And I'd just go in there like, you know, generally hungover. And I'd just go in there and I'd just sit listening to their stories and they were amazing, interesting people, right? Mm. Um, And they didn't want to do... They were like, oh, I can't do this, love. And it's like, oh, what is it? You know, never mind what... I'm not going to name my colleague, but never mind what he's given you to do. What, what is it you've come here to do? She's like, Oh, I'd like to make a, a birthday card for my granddaughter. All right, bollocks, let's do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, so, and so they were always buying me wine and and things for all this shit. It was a lovely, yeah. nourishing job. Um, yeah. And so one of the things they gave to me, uh, a guy called, I can't remember his bloody name now, but he was like an ex estate agent, right? Because they were all, um, and I was just buying it, my first house at the time. Mm. Um, and so it was interesting. He was he was like that with me. He was like, ring them up every day. Then your paperwork's on their desk at the top. So I, so I did what he said. Anyway, he gave me this gift: brewing better beers by, by Ken, Ken Shales. By Ken Shales. Now, when you see Ken on the yeah. rear, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we,
1: what what a game! How do we describe Ken to those who are only listening on the wireless? Right. Well,
0: I suppose a little like me in glasses will do, won't it, really? I mean, that we're nearly well, there. Um, Ken, that's... what does Ken look like? I suppose uh, equal parts, Leo McKinney, Um, yeah. He's a smashing block, but Ken... William Hootkins. Do you
1: remember William Hootkins? William
0: Hootkins is a smashing uh, comparison. That's who he looks like. William
1: Hootkins. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know, if you think about the episode of Blackadder 2, where everyone gets terribly drunk, um, he's the the monk with the very, very red face who shouts, uh, great booze up doesn't say much else. It's a beautiful performance there. Well,
0: the link here is great because Ken Shales of Basildon, Essex, first became known as an enthusiastic home brewer by the Articles, which from 1963 until his death early in 1971, Geezer didn't even make 50, but hey. You know what I mean? His world, his career was, let's get pissed. So it's not surprising, isn't it? No. Uh, From his his, his death early in 1971... (laughs) He regularly contributed to the monthly magazine The Amateur Winemaker and Home Brewer. He had won for himself an unchallenged position as the most eminent and knowledgeable home brewer in the country and regularly received letters from fellow hobbyists all over the world. At Basildon, or Boozledon, as he was wont to call it, he gathered about him an enthusiastic band of kindred spirits. I'll bet he bloody did. Oh, yes, I'd have been there. Uh, Kindred spirits of all races who collaborated with him him in research on the craft of brewing which he probably did more to advance than any one of his era this book is still in print really this book this th- slim what is it 100 and, it feels like a 128 page look at the bloody adverts in the back come and get pissed with us <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean Wonderful. um uh, 1963 this was look at i mean look at this where you buy your bloody concentrated <sighs> grape juice hidalgo's Oh. It's just wonderful. Uh and Rogers it's just It is. printed. You can go on Amazon today and you can buy this. I mean, I don't know who... I presume Ken, looking at his photograph, died childless. Um, <laughs> so I don't know who gets the money. You can get 12 issues of the Amateur Winemaker for £7.75. Look at that Vena match, The last word in wine filters. <laughs> so, so um, wonderful. This, this slim volume... I mean, this is still bloody adverts at the mm. back. Uh... T. Edwin Belt preserving winemaking ingredients. Anyway, the point of it is, I mean, this in 1971 said over 250 thousand copies sold. So there's 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 another nice thing: brewing better beers with
1: Ken Shales. You know, that's a lovely thing, and fair play to Ken. I mean, he's been dead 50 years, but his book is still in print. That's he's been wonderful. Dead literally 50
0: years. It's 71. Yeah. yeah?
1: 50 yeah, wouldn't years, it be interesting? But
0: his book is still out there. God, still out there and he's still getting people shitted from beyond the grave. <laughs> That's you know, magnificent. My mum's boyfriend Barry, he used to he was well he was he's a terrible raging alcoholic, you know. <laughs> so you'd go around his flat and it would smell like men's flats do of sort of charity shop furniture and fags and and stuff mm. like that that single chaps seem to accumulate around them. Yeah. And um yeah he used to have two barrels on the sideboard he used to be a home brewer and he said do you want a drink and it was like maybe you know and it was like that right where you can have lager oh lager (laughs) (laughs) so one was a one was a pokey old chap you know um yeah but, I mean, he has a line in uh, The Entertainer, doesn't he? Olivier's like that. What do you wish more than anything? I wish I could drink Draft Bass beer all day in the room, not spin or whatever he says. Mm. It's strange to think that that film was only 12 years after Brighton Rock, which was a very different take, wasn't it, on on it the seaside was. thing?
1: It was. But, oh, Brighton Rock. Now, that is a beautiful film. Absolutely wonderful film. Um. I I watched that, that that's what that's a film I can watch uh, and I do watch oh all right oh, ah, yes. now
0: oh. now those films are only like 80 minutes as well aren't
1: they this is why I can watch them absolutely yes um and of course you've got the combination you've got Richard Asenborough being brilliant but you've got William Hartnell being superb oh he's great isn't
0: it he's great God, he's isn't it it's it's amazing how much he ages between that and the 15 years between that and who really you know. It is. In, in it fact is, another one he does in nineteen sixty, the Sporting Life, isn't it? That's another I think that's another Woodfall film. No, that that's you know what,
1: that I think that's shot in sixty two because it was in the cinema. Was uh, Verity Lambert and oh I want to say Warris Hussein, I could be wrong, but certainly Verity Lambert managed to go to the cinema and The sporting life was on and they watched it. Um it's I think again, it was
0: nineteen sixty dear. Do
1: you think?
0: Shall we look? Um, Should we look? at No, no, they can tell us if we're wrong. You can say 62, I'll say 60. Films used to stay in the cinema a long time then.
1: That's very true. We'll split the difference, say 61. (laughs) But, uh, But the performance that he gives in this sporting life, what I love about that is the character's so sad, but there's the undercurrent, and it's not even suggested at, it's burly, it's not hinted at, but is he gay? And that's right. why he's with the young men.
0: It, there is a little bit. There There's is. A... I know what you're saying, you but I, I don't I mean? know if that's seen through the prism of... Contemporary life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, I think that he's... And I could be wrong on this. I think the character doesn't have children. I could be wrong, but I think Hartnell's character... Isn't he called uncle or dad or something? It's uncle, isn't it, I think. No, yeah. no, it's dad. Is it something like that? Is it? It's an interesting yeah. film because it's all seen in flashback through him being under the ether on the operating table, isn't it? Mm, that's right, and you, yeah. And you've got Rachel Roberts in it who plays the perennial victim um, as she does in Saturday Night, Sunday Morning, wonderfully. Yeah. Um, and had a really tragic life herself. Wasn't she married to Rex Harrison and then uh, she committed suicide uh, in uh, Hollywood uh, or something?
1: If, I, if I'm right, she was. And then was it was it bleach, a little bleach cocktail or something weed killer like or something so like sad. that? so sad.
0: It is and she's a wonderful Oh God, she's yeah. a wonderful actress. Oh yes, now, yes, yes.
1: Absolutely immersed in the role she's That scene,
0: And that scene in uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning with her and Ilda Baker. Oh. where Ilda Baker's like, you know, performed the well, or is she about to perform the botched abortion? I don't know which. And um and she's just like they just that, that that great dialogue really. I do wonder if Alan Sillito was was. The, the sort of guy who wrote it, but there's a lovely moment there where because because Saturday night, Sunday morning is such a it's a macho film, isn't it? Oh God, yes. You know, and one of the great aspects of it is you know. It starts off, doesn't it? Saturday night, Sunday morning. It's in the rally factory in Nottingham. It's dead, 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 dead loud. Five hundred and fifty bloody five, and he's counting the bolts he's doing on the lathe. I'll have a fag in a minute, and I'll, and but it's noise, isn't it? Noise, 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 noise. That film. It's just the noise of machinery. It's the noise in the pub. It's the noise of the street. It's the noise of the trams. It's the noise of the train. And then there's the scene where uh, Arthur Seaton, Albert Finney's character gets the shit kicked out of him by the soldiers who are the brother uh, of the fella whose wife, Rachel Roberts, he's knocking off. And it's silent. It's just silent. It's like this slab in the middle of the film where there's no not And you hear every... Mm. And it's just like, wow. It's But that scene with Hilda Baker and Rachel Roberts in that with... And I can't think... It's something about men they don't know. The, you know what I mean? They get away with bloody murder, don't they? We have to clear everything up it's yeah. so on the nail that film i mean it's it's got it's there's aspects of it that obviously it's a, it's it's a it's a, a it's cinema in transition because you've mm. still got some of the minor characters such as the one who plays arthur's mum. she's like thanks love as if mm. it's like some weird little cockney accent and yeah i mean arthur's got a bloody salford accent even though it's meant to be in nottingham
1: Mm. You've but you've got this lovely thing that's happening around there, haven't you? Where we're starting to see different parts of the country, especially the northwest, uh, being brought to life on the cinema screen in a in a realistic, in an honest way, um, and with the with the genuine issues that people were facing at the time. In fact, it wasn't even issues; it was just the realities of life. Whereas now, I. I do find that when we get things that are set in the Northwest, they, they're going to be issue-based, aren't they? It's always mm. going to be, oh, he's a bad lad, he's in prison, but he's going to turn out all right. Eh? Well, since but,
0: the 80s, we've been painted as victims. Yeah.
1: Why? Why do you think? I've got a theory, but why do you think that is?
0: Why do I think that? Okay, so where I grew up, I'd be I'd be quite honest with you and say where I grew up has been destroyed by well not destroyed I mean it's it's a new thing but but what destroyed what I grew up within that culture I grew up within um is is this kind of culture of welfare and it was the miners' strike and it was the kind of like and I think the there's a there was when I was growing up what I noticed was there was a new sort of attitude of mm. if you can sit around all day and get money for it, then go for it, and so mm. that replaced previous values such as work hard that's mm. that's that's the cultural shift I saw where I grew up in the northwest
1: yeah, no I would agree with that but then but then we see it reflected. On screen and of course that reflection then bounces back on itself and and becomes something else I think that I mean we, we were talking yesterday uh, weren't we about the boys from the black yeah. stuff and I'm I've always found that found that a, a, a difficult one a strange one I'm, I went to school with um, Alan Bleasdale's younger son Jamie And so I went round to Alan Bleasdale's house um, a couple of times and I did, now I can't say that this is directly because of me, but I did go round (laughs) once and enthuse at Alan Bleasdale um, about how I'd been taken to uh, a meeting of Doctor Who fans and I was like, and they all had costumes on and all that and then GBH.
0: Yeah, I've always thought, "Eh, yeah, potentially. Maybe,
1: potentially. but I, 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 always thought to myself, all right. Well, we've got this piece, and it is highlighting the issues that are being faced. <coughs> and of course, Liverpool in the nineteen eighties. My God, when you look at the desolation that's captured. Um, again, like we were saying uh, the other day, if yeah. you look at the Albert Dock in George's Last Stand, Last yes, Ride, right. Last Ride. Sorry, to actually to actually have that shown to the rest of the country. And I think that was a wonderful thing to do, but did that then contribute into this idea, the Harry Enfield sort of calm down, calm down, Scouser?
0: Well, of course, I mean it all feeds into it, but I agree with you that that stuff is helpful at highlighting social issues, but then it feeds back in a sort of there can be that danger that you you know the victimhood stakes are raised. Um, I'm mm. trying to think of the actor's name. He He's called George. George's last in George's Costigan? last. No. No, no, no that's the not, immediate no. one that sprung to mind, but it's not. Uh, yeah, it's, um, right. it's an Irish name, I think. Anyway, so George was a docker, so mm. there was no dialogue when he was being pushed around the dock. As such, there were points to hit, but he mm. just talked about as a young man working down the docks. Um, and also in that, there's a scene whereby they stood under the the last crumbling reliquary of the docker's umbrella, which was the overhead railway that transported the the workers to the docks. For anyone who doesn't know that. Mm. So in in that cinematography, you capturing, you are capturing the old world literally being taken apart in front of your eyes, and George represents that. It's it's a very good piece of telly. I mean, you know, you can't you can't whack the boys from the black stuff. But so oh, go on. No. What, what what's your what's your theory then on how we reached well, here? I think I, I think my theory
1: is that. That 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 piece. I mean, I think it did an awful lot of good. And bear in mind, we were at the time when was it managed decline? Was that yes, the managed that decline. Now
0: managed the whole decline. of the West is in managed decline. So now everyone knows Absolutely. what it's like.
1: They do. Yes, <laughs> they could all have an Albert Dock falling to pieces.
0: They can yeah. But,
1: but I I always wonder, did did the way that we were that that we were portraying certain cities at mm. that time, did that add to the decline? Or did it lead to the
0: escalation or the re- regeneration? I, I've, I've never been quite certain. And because I weren't of an age where I could give you a, an honest answer on that, you know, I'm, I'm sure mm. there were like Scallies who were happy to sign on and work at the same time and all the other stuff. I don't think because someone, you know, because they're citing boys from the black stuff, they were like, hey, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that next week. Fuck them. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I'm sure that it, it was documenting an actual thing. It's a strange one, and I suppose that without a thorough investigation of what happened in the 70s, you know, and the role that the unionization of labor, which ultimately led to its destruction, um, I suppose you can't really answer the question. I mean, Thatcher's one of those figures that now I see in a different light than I did then. That doesn't mean I've got some kind of... um, you know, I'm 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 some apologist for Thatcher, but <clears throat> it's interesting to see, for example, how Trump is was portrayed by the media. Um, mm. There was, for me, there was uh, it, it was foreshadowed by the image we were given of Thatcher in the media. So, um, you know, I don't know if she. I don't know enough about it. I know mm. that what she did led to the destruction of. The industry that my family were involved with, the mining industry, which led to the destruction of the community I grew up in. But at the same time, I ended up not having to go down a hole in the ground. So, Mm. you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, yeah. Yeah. It's a difficult one, isn't it? It's very,
1: it's difficult. It is because
0: we all look at things
1: personally as well. Well, we do, and progress is painful. and. And I am you know i I do believe in the idea, you know, obviously I'm here sort of like, oh things used to be better, which i I do also believe
0: they but did used to be better that's that's not a theory no, that's a scientific a fa- fact. the science is settled yes <laughs> <laughs>
1: but uh, yeah it's it it's it's fascinating isn't it i mean you've at the end of the day, she broke the unions, and that was a key thing that she wanted to do um and God knows Fleet Street was never the same again
0: um the and- trouble is it's made us dependent. On particularly China for, mm. and as we saw during the start of the pandemic, we were dependent upon them for PPE and all these other things. So the the destruction of the manufacturing industry in this country and and la- this managed decline that you talk about has led to us mm. being a dependent nation on other nations. And as is playing out in Afghanistan now, because we've banned mining in this country f- for the most part. Well, yes you know now we're going to de- be dependent on uh the ccp who <clears throat> and that's the distinction to make you know it's not we're not talking about china or the chinese people we are talking about the chinese communist party who are a very well organized outfit a very mm-hmm. 21st century the whole uh, the document was the new chinese century wasn't it
1: yeah i think What you can see, obviously, as well, is that if you look at the infrastructure of China and the way that's grown in the last 20 years, trillions of pounds have been spent on that, Um, whereas maybe America has not grown in the same way because trillions of pounds have been spent in Afghanistan.
0: Uh, Yeah, and they're making more money tearing it down than they did building it up, Mm. you know, America or Britain or wherever it may be. But it's a global economy. Um yeah. and so, you know, when you do cling to the past, I agree it was better. Um yeah. obviously. Um but you unfortunately then you're in a position where you can't deny the fact that, that that you you know, the times you're living in. It's a shame that, isn't it, Paul? No, I can. I can deny anything, frankly, as far as I'm concerned, it's nineteen
1: seventy four and it always will be, and I'm I'm quite happy to live that way, Mike. And I, time I will for deny. Tea. I will deny everything. As far as I'm concerned, the day should consist of, of school, tea, fish yes. fingers, watch, watching run
0: around, not that I was allowed to, but um, th- that's
1: that's what it should
0: be. I prefer it. That's what it should be, and for the most part, that's what it can be. And we took a little well, diversion into those things that were meant to be the antidote for the really. Um, we did a bit. We did a little, but, you know, the boys and, and girls at home won't mind that. Oh, they won't mind that. Well,
1: I'll show you what I got this week, shall I? Oh, God, um, I was just about to ask. I what got, nice, got nice things, things do well, we
0: have? Hmm.
1: Okay. Now then, it's it's sort of a nice thing, but it's led to something that is nice. So that's the key thing. Um, mm. So uh, my nice thing this week uh, was this CD that has arrived from Big Finish Productions. It is the series Doctor Who that we never talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, and this is... Oh, uh, there we are. Uh, this is a fascinating um, thing oh, okay. Here. So it's Tom Baker um, as the Doctor, of course, but in there you've also got Sarah Jane Smith. Now, of course, Elizabeth Sladen is no longer with us. Her daughter, however, is an actress, Sadie Miller, so Sadie Miller takes on the Sarah Jane part. And what you've got here is the original script, not the script that was televised um, of a show called Revenge of the Cybermen. Um, And for me, this just illustrates one thing, which is that Robert Holmes who was the script editor on Doctor Who. He was a bloody good writer. Because when you listen to the original script being performed, it's crap. And it doesn't matter what the actors do with it. It's crap. It's just... The dialogue is so... Even though it was written in 1974, the dialogue comes from the uh, early 1950s, even though it's set in the future, (coughs) the far future. Um... So, so I got hold of this, and it's fascinating to listen to sort of this, this prototype of a mm. story before a gifted script editor got his hands on it and basically rewrote it from the ground up. Kept a few of the names, but that's about it. Um, now, in the past, I have, of course, talked about Big Finish and how I have an issue with certain things, one of those being the accent, because whatever planet things are set on, if you need a character who's a little bit down at heel, all of a sudden we're off to Coronation Street and it's all like <laughs> that. Uh, really? Again? So there was a part of me that was like, oh, and I think there's one of those voices here. But then um, that led me uh, to pick up another of the Big Finish Productions, which hasn't arrived yet, but I was sent a download of it, which is uh, The Peterloo Massacre. Now. Peterloo, of course. For the read about Peterloo, you should read about the Peterloo Massacre. It's the last time um, our own armed services were turned on the people of this country.
0: It's the um, uh, what's the poem? The Mask of Anarchy.
1: That's right. Yeah, um, and you end up with something like six hundred people injured and many deaths in there as well, simply because people were protesting for basic rights as workers, um, and so they've taken that. Um, Paul Mars is the writer of this one They've taken it and They've simply told you the story Of the Peterloo Massacre But with characters that you know And that is I've got to say A beautiful piece of writing It is beautifully performed And the northern accents are there And they work for once They work this time they worked and um, lovely, and it, you know what was lovely was to actually hear a historical story. Because these days, of course, if they're going to do a historical story <laughs> on Doctor Who, there's got to be alien intervention, all that sort of stuff. It sort. was the
0: Terileptils.
1: That's the one. Yeah. Here, here we've just got pure history being told. Yeah. Uh, oh God, that was lovely. So I've I've sat down this week and reappraised uh, my view of big big finish so slightly, and then I went on a bit of a Bit of a spending spree, and I've got Oh quite, dear! I've got, I've got a fair few of them turning up in the post over the next week. Oh but my dear boy! Don't regret it. Well, I do. But I, are these uh,
0: CDs or vinyl you bought?
1: Oh, these are these are CDs. If they were vinyl, I'd have them already. You know, um, right. but they are the CDs. I mean, I was thinking about that the other day, Mike. I was thinking, isn't it good that when the vinyl sort of uh, revolution really began? We hadn't discovered plastic yet, because you'd have records contained in plastic, and I don't like that. Mm. I was looking at my collection the other day, and of course, I, I i bought I bought a Chemical Brothers album on vinyl the other week, which was rather jo- I know, Good rather Lord, jolly, unusual for me. I Thought Absolutely. it was nineteen
0: seventy four.
1: I, I know, I know, no, we've jumped forward a bit here to about
0: nineteen ninety. Which one? Uh, dig your own hole. Oh yeah. Oh. I, I, I actually, the some of that stuff's wonderful. I, I used to get um. Do you remember they used to play the mixes on oh, probably radio? One or something. They were called the Dust Brothers, weren't they originally? Mm, that's and right. And then yeah. there was a, a, a couple of sort of redneck dudes who were just like, "We're the Dust Brothers. You can fuck off." <laughs> uh, and, and then they had to change the names, didn't they? Anyway, mm. sorry. Go on. Well, Plastic. no,
1: I, just the fact that I can buy I can buy this record now, and it's a new new release of it. So of course that means that for some reason it's got to be split over two records. I don't like the way that people do that. Stop doing that. That annoys me. You Is it get not three... for
0: better audio quality?
1: I don't care. No, I don't care, because I've got to get up after three tracks and turn ah. it over. I, I enjoy the aesthetic of putting a record on and turning a record over, but not after 12 minutes.
0: No. No, I you're meant a- to be able to smoke a gitane and and have a nice glass of pastis Absolutely. and um, have a conversation with um, uh, Nicole, or something like that, and then then it's time to turn the record over. That should be the time, shouldn't it? That's
1: it. But it's still there. And even though it's a brand new release, it's still in the cardboard sleeve. And I'm so glad that plastic wasn't around when records were made. I'd never fit the bloody records in the house, frankly. But to still have What do you mean with
0: plastic? Sorry, go on. Well, I... I I, I I thought you meant the the shrink wrap.
1: No, no, I mean the fact that... Well, I mean, right, look. Oh, you mean surrounding
0: them. the CD, the the, yes. the, the 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 jewel case?
1: The actual jewel case. Now, if plastic had been around, I've no doubt records would have been encased in it. I oh, like that they were Oh, I see.
0: I thought you meant I- like, because when the Boxer Delights LP, when you get that, it, it was proudly saying not in shrink wrap, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know why. What Does that make it better? Uh, I think Greta Thunderberg would have been happy with that. <laughs> so I think it was one of those things. So you mean the jewel cases would have been around them years I, ago?
1: I suspect we would have had that. And I, I like the fact that a record is a flimsy thing, I and mean, if you look at it, you break it. I like yes. that. <laughs> you have to look after them, and I love the fact that they're encased in paper. Is it uh,
0: Garrard and House that, that print all those early LP sleeves in this country. When you have a look on the back, isn't it Gannard and Loft House? That
1: rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. But when, know what, when they start
0: what, coming away with the glue, you can see the name of the manufacturer. Oh, that. that's right, you
1: can. <laughs> but, but what I what I love at the moment is I've got an awful lot of records that I haven't got yet. I've paid for them, I've I've bought them, I've paid for them, but I haven't got them but yet. You the re- go, I'll have them. Well, I shall, but it's a question of when, because at the moment, of course, we don't have anything like the number of uh, pressing plants for records that we used to have. Mm. And during during the lockdowns, it appears that lots of people suddenly went, oh, what records now? Yes. And all of a sudden, the pressing plants can't cope. And so you're finding there's so many releases, including the new Christopher Eccleston ones from Big Finish and various others, which should have been out months ago. But they can't be yet because the pressing plants are working at full capacity, but can't produce the stuff quickly wow. enough. I like that. There's simply so many new records coming out. Yes, I love that. Yes, I love that fact.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's the biggest growth market, isn't it, within the industry? Mm. It's, it's absolutely outstripping downloads, I believe. Yes, I'm.
1: So, I'm so glad. I don't like MP3s.
0: I don't. Not like for downloads. music. No. no. If I had, oh,
1: no. if I had my way, people would subscribe to nice things in some sort of Reader's Digest way. Yes. Um, they would have a, they would have an LP ve- mailed out every
0: single week. That would be Twitch. nice, wouldn't it? You just choose tracks, yes. and you put out a sort of nice things digest sampler LP. I think that would be a. These are thing. things you would like. Yes, if you will like
1: them. If anybody fancies a nice things LP, do let us know on the Twitter, which is at nice things show. Uh, yes. we never know. You never know. You
0: never know. I think before we close, one hmm. thing I would like to do is hmm. to explore um, the Paul Carmichael theory of um, how El Dorado directly linked to the advent of Brexit. Now you confidently tell me you have the receipts i did confidently tell you that i've thought
1: about it i'm possibly a little less confident okay than I, go on than i do however i nevertheless believe that now in the past we've talked about if sort of fantasy commission if you could commission any show what would that show be now for me it will always be series 3 of tripods yeah. I, I am bloody cross that that's not there. And every year I'm thinking, are you going to announce this? they not Hasn't it don't. been made? Haven't no. they done it? Haven't they done an no. audio of them all? I don't care about that. I want to see it on television. That's true. You like the on cardboard. A... I do. I like that. So yes. I want to see that. And I will never forgive Michael Gray for that one. Even more than Doctor Who. Because that came back. Tripods. Two series. He cancelled. Mind
0: your language as well.
1: He did. He's a bad man, Michael He's Gray. He's a bad man. He's a terribly bad man. And and I can't help feeling that there might be something in the fact that Colin Baker used to be married to Liza Goddard, and then Craig gets together with my, with Lisa Goddard afterwards, uh, and then sacks Colin Baker. Oh, I'm sure that was an entirely professional.
0: Just a coincidence. Before. Nothing to see here. Pure then. coincidence. Absolutely. Just a coincidence. Absolutely. Total coincidence. She Let's was gorgeous, though.
1: Oh, God, she was. You would um, be
0: pissed off. I'd be like, that. Oh, fuck you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely. Um... But yeah, El Dorado. Now, there's a series that, if I have my way, the the set is still there. It's it was repainted last week, uh, last month, and it
0: looks. I know it looks beautiful. What, what again. do you mean the set is still there? The set still stands in Spain. Okay, so for people like me, who I, I couldn't be asked with El Dorado, that was like okay, that was just East Enders with sunshine for me. Oh no. So right. so, so what you've got is right. up a, up on the up on a hillside above Malaga
1: is where they built the set of el dorado and they've built an entire uh spanish town in two parts so you've wow. got the old you've got the old town with a church and everything um and the piazza the square and all that and then you've got the new town uh which looks more like an average sort of like holiday destination with apartments and so on and they built an entire village there 10 million quid which isn't bad really for a village is it especially um, when
0: the taxpayers paying dear
1: Absolutely, which I fully approve of, and I think everybody should pay the license fee twice.
0: Well, we should get a week each in there, then, if we have to pay. I, I, I'd have that. I'd, I, I would
1: go there. Anyway, You'd be I, uh,
0: flouncing around there in your rope sandals now, wouldn't you? I would, I
1: absolutely would. I would be there with a camera making El Dorado with just me. right oh, okay. That's what I would do. I would bring I'd watch it that. back and I'd do that. I, I, and, of course, it was Verity Lambert who did it lovely yes lovely verity. so so I can't hear a word against it I'll anyway, stop interrupting so, anyway Come that's alright anyway so that village still stands there and it has just been it was used for paintballing for about five years which sickened me to my very soul but it's now being used for a new Spanish language soap well Spanish soap opera because it's in Spain um, and so it's been repainted and it looks beautiful and that just made me think oh can we have it back please apparently <sighs> not um but I, I genuinely do believe that what you had in El Dorado with its diverse cast, because, of course, you had you had Danish families and Spanish families and French families and English families. And you would hear little bits of, of foreign language dialogue, which says people who's no subtitles? Oh, shut up. Doesn't matter. Just enjoy it. It's like Shakespeare. It's like jazz. It's coming so, back
0: to me now. Yeah, go
1: on. Yes. So, all right. Some piss poor acting, but yeah, that's all right. I like poor acting. So it's a bit
0: like a sort. Of, it, philosophically, it came from the same. It was drinking from the same well as it's a knockout. So, <laughs> could you? <explain? laughs> well, because yes! it was that European sort of. We're all one kind of thing, wasn't it? Yes. That, that it's a knockout. Ad. Was yes. it all from, oh God, what was it called now? Every week it was from, where was it? a knockout from when they told well, was, you?
1: No, didn't it just used to come from wherever in the country? Was it? Was it? I think okay, they used to travel okay. about. Because uh, I know Stuart Hall uh still, well, he certainly owned all the uh, big inflatable costumes. I don't know if he's still got them.
0: Oh, but he did. I bet they were, uh, bet they were uh, vinyl well washable. <laughs> <laughs> but, go, but philosophically, yeah, I know what you mean. because. Yes. Avimore Avimo used to come up a lot. Avimore did. It did use, I remember that being. Where the hell is that? Don't know. My mum told me it was Scotland, but then she did just tell me that to shut me up. Straight away, I think,
1: Scotland. Right, I've got a, okay. I've got I knew there was a place
0: that head. come up in it all the time. Avimore. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but anyway, so you've got this program, which is basically saying, "Look, Europe's lovely. Everyone comes together. There's a great big melting pot." And of course, it starts in um, 1992. So, but is it that late? It is. it is. It is actually that late. Starts in 1992, and so you've got a program that, when it first goes on air, it hits the ground running and it gets eight million viewers for its first episode, and it's shit. So naturally, right. people go, Ugh, maybe we'll just tail off a bit here. And it dropped down to about 4 million viewers. Not good for three times a week primetime BBC One. But of course, the reasoning behind that, most people know that, which is, it was originally due to launch uh, around Christmas 1992. So the idea is that we'd all be sat at home, it'd be cold and you can turn on the BBC right. and you can see people in lovely Spain and it's all warm. And then all of a sudden, management get involved. Now then, we are talking about the BBC around the time of Burt. So all of a sudden, management get involved. And, oh no, bring it forwards. Bring it forwards by six months. We haven't finished building it yet. Oh, bring it forwards. And there's a lovely, there's a documentary which is on YouTube, one of the Trouble at the Top series uh, called Fool's Gold, which is all about El Dorado. And it documents this and how it was pulled forwards by six months and the scripts weren't written and the village wasn't built. And it's Tony Jordan, who's written extensively for EastEnders, who was writing the script. And he talks about arriving at the village and walking up one of these streets that had been made. And then there's a monitor so that he can see what's being recorded. And he says, and I looked at the monitor and I just thought, oh, Fuck. (laughs) <laughs> Which, because it was just such crap that was being churned out. Right. But but then it starts to get better. And by the end of it, you've got this upward trajectory. And it's getting very good ratings. And it's beating Emmerdale. And it's, okay, we're going somewhere now. And then Alan Yentob flies over to Spain and says, You're all fired. Ha <laughs> ha! Which... For me, this is the stupidest decision in the BBC's history. I genuinely believe that. I think it's a stupid, stupid, bloody decision. For me, it's the point where management, yes, we had other things coming in, yes, we had producer choice, but for me the moment that you get someone coming in and making that decision, that for me was just like, that's an absurd thing to do. A soap takes longer than six months to bed Mm. in, to actually become part of the national consciousness. Now, My belief very much is that if that series had stayed there, when it ended, it was getting the 9 million mark. Now, that's pretty good. One in every seven people or so, that is, in the country were starting to watch it. And you start to get this familiarity with other languages, with other cultures, but it's all together in this lovely, great, big melting pot. I do not mean the Spike Milligan Um, programme. They're all together working like that. And I think... I think that if you'd have had that program continuing and seeping into the national consciousness, I don't see how Brexit could have happened. I just don't see it. It's a bold claim. It's a, it's, it's what I will. It's a hill I shall die on, Michael. It's a I,
0: very bold claim.
1: It is. It is, isn't it? But I genuinely believe that if you've got three times a week, I've got three times a week, you've got one in seven people being told Europe's great, actually. That wouldn't have happened. That would not have happened because you'd have been watching Polly Perkins singing in her bar, which you know with Leslie Udwin behind it. All these wonderful, wonderful actors who were suddenly out of a job. That would not have happened. I'm still pissed off about it. Not just because I think that, not just because I think that Brexit's a pain in the arse and it's meant that it costs me more to get things delivered, which really does get on my tits. But it, they cancelled it and I liked it and
0: I'm cross. Well, again, as we said, these things always come down to personal problems, don't they? When you, your whole um, outlook, it's kind of like, it costs me more to get things delivered. Damn you. Yes. You know? Yeah, it, I know. Not, well, they always do. They always no, do. No, I'm not. Done. It costs me more to get,
1: to, to get videos delivered.
0: I'm not sure El Dorado could have sustained a, what would it have been, a 20-year run, 23-year run, to oh, make wait, it God. all the way to the referendum.
1: Oh, God almighty, Emmerdale's turning 50 next year.
0: Come oh, on. yeah, well,
1: Emmerdale's yeah, just you know, garbage. Coronation Street's been on since the late Tudor period. I mean, it would have is, still is, been on there.
0: Is Denmark in the EU? Because you mentioned the Danish couple who were in it. No,
1: I don't think it is there you go already we're chipping away no, no no we're not no it's in the schengen zone though dear it's, oh, uh, it's, right. it's, okay, yes it's then. got it's got okay. it's got a toe in oh yeah okay i think absolutely.
0: maybe um before before proceeding to peer review you might need to flesh it out a little more but it's it's an no. interesting theory no is that it no
1: that's it that is the theory and that's theory you, you can accept it or not i don't care if you don't it's a fact
0: the science is settled
1: it is absolutely i've agreed on it and that's all that I need. As far didn't as I'm they have concerned. a
0: shitty logo that was very like the BBC Breakfast Time logo?
1: It was not shitty logo at all. It was a and
0: didn't logo. the building look like the thing on uh, Epstein's Pedo Island, the building <laughs> they built on top? <laughs>
1: it was, no, no, it was, no, it was a, a lovely concept, and it was Verity Lambert. And what more do you need than Verity Lambert?
0: So El Dorado was the lost city of gold, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. I like Verity Lambert. I'm presuming I've this was Verity a project after Minder, or she left Euston Films, or yeah, this is something 90, like
1: that. Ninety-two. When,
0: I'm uh, surprised well, at that.
1: Yeah, she'd set up Cinema Verity, of course, by this yeah. point, and it was a Cinema Verity production. And I think it what it does for me that is, it shows how far the influence of non-creative people had got in television at that point. Because you've got Verity Lambert. My God, she's there's a producer absolute top of her game and yet you've got managers who say yeah you you you're meant to transmit in december we want it in june mm, it's bullshit it's like, isn't it and she and if she couldn't stop that sort of crap nobody else could have done
0: nobody no could have done. no well i think that is a good point to end on and i look forward to reader uh, listener viewer comments on your uh thesis the El Dorado thesis. No, you don't know. No, I no. Don't. So just disagree with
1: me. No, if they disagree with me, they're just wrong, and they'll be ignored.
0: Yes, you see, we all we all aspire to have Paul Carmichael's confidence in his when opinion. When
1: it comes to when it comes to El Dorado, I have absolute
0: supreme
1: confidence wonderful stuff
0: wonderful stuff and on that we- note dear listeners yeah. and viewers i could keep going but no, I'll oh on. no you I'll can get... if you want no
1: no 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 it's fine you know what because i've subscribed to BritBox and it's on there so i'm gonna go and watch Elder i'm Robo gonna watch some
0: before next week i am going to watch some i you am don't don't watch the first hundred because they are oh my god how many are there i don't know three about
1: 160
0: or so 160 yeah
1: the, the last yeah. 50
0: or so were very, very good. It would probably be quicker to find the lost city of gold, wouldn't it? It very probably it would. It probably America. would. Well, my dear <laughs> boy, have a lovely week. And all you uh, boys and girls at home have the same. And we shall Absolutely. see you next week. And we apologise for being a day late this week. I meant to say that right at the start. But mm. uh, as Horace Rumpole himself would say, precious of work. Absolutely. Um, so until the next time, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>